，兄弟姐妹平安。Peace be to you, brothers and sisters. 那今朝梁师兄，咱最近这个新系列的新写。Let's continue our series. 上帝以伟大的神奇妙救恩。God's righteousness, the great God, amazing salvation. 今日讲罗马书第九章。Today let's look at Romans chapter nine. 上帝拣选及人嘅信心。God's election and man's faith. This is the first part of this message. The first eight chapters of the book of Romans talks about justification by faith. Well, the first four chapters talks about it from a negative point of view. That man and human, human cannot depend on themselves for salvation. And they need to be justified by faith. Well, from chapters five to eight, talks about it from a positive point of view. And what are the things we gain after we have been saved? But starting Romans chapter nine, it's a completely new topic. From chapters nine to eleven, it talks about one question. It's the problem or the question. Of the salvation for the Israelites. Why is it that Paul suddenly brought up this problem? Because in the first eight chapters, it's already very clear that we cannot depend on our behavior, our actions to save ourselves. It's only through justification by faith that we can be saved. That's why Paul here thought about his own countrymen. And Paul was very concerned about the salvation of the Jewish people. Look at chapter nine, verse three. For I, I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. In fact, if you look at the whole Bible, only two persons. Uh, spoke like this. The first one was Moses, and the second one was Paul. When Moses led the people of Israel out of、uh, Egypt into Mount Sinai, and Moses went up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments from God. The people of Israel uh, started uh, worshiping this golden calf. And they, they started worshiping these idols. Idol in front of God. That's why God was so angry. And it, it was His desire to destroy all the people of Israel. And Moses pleaded with God. That's why God forgave the people of Israel. So Moses went up to Mount Sinai to speak with God. And look at what Moses said. Moses,、uh, Exodus. 32:31-32，如果摩西高上的这个所在讲，嗨，这个百姓犯了多罪，为家己做了金像，耶稣你那百姓们也罪，你看嘛，一点一点一点，南山里呢，叫你做你所写的生命，这个将我名拿起来。So Moses went back to the Lord and said, "Oh, what a great sin, sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, please forgive their sins." But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. 
全本圣经啊。In the whole Bible. 只有这个所在出现这个真特别的所在。Only this place, only in this particular place, there's this very peculiar thing that、uh, that stood out. 就是有一点、一点、一点嘛。Three dots that we we see. 我我我感觉这个是摩西的墨西，伊拉墨西啊。And I I personally believe this represents the tears of Moses. 伊讲这个所在无话通讲咧啦。And it's from on this point that he doesn't know what to say anymore. 所以墨西流落来啦。So that's why he shed tears. 是多条墨西甲顺着讲了一句话啊。It was with tears that he pleaded with God and and talked to God. 兄弟，你那无你那你那无无当赦免伊，还是你将我我带退伊死咯啊。It's like he's saying, Lord, if you cannot forgive, then then. Then kill me instead. That's Moses. And he said, and the same thing Paul said, I'm willing for the sake of my own race to be separated from God, to be cursed from God. And that's what Moses said, and that's what Paul also said. And they were truly great、uh, servants of God. But here the problem lies ahead. Even,、uh, even though that the people of Israel were the chosen people of God, and they have the laws of God, and they have the promise. Promises of God, and they have the covenant that they have made with God. What if? What?、Uh, how come then the people of Israel seems like they have no part in the salvation of God? If that's the case, isn't it that the God's、uh, God's promises with them, God's word、uh, with them, are empty, are in vain? That's why in Romans chapter nine to eleven, Paul was explaining and, and answering this question. I'll like to show you an. Overview and outline of these three chapters. That we will have a better understanding of these three chapters. There are five questions that were basically answered by these three chapters. First question: Has God's word, God's promise, failed? Second question is: Is God unjust? The third. Why does God blame us? And the fourth. What shall we say? And the fifth. And the fifth question. Has God rejected His people? And we can find the answers in Romans chapters nine to eleven. And each of these questions are connected to each other. The first question. Has God's word, God's promise failed? And the answer can be found in chapter nine, verses six to thirteen. Is God unjust? An answer can be found in chapter nine, verses fourteen to eighteen. Why does God blame us? The answers. Answer can be found in chapter nine, verses nineteen to twenty-nine. The fourth question. What shall we say? The answer can be found in chapter nine, verse thirty to chapter ten, verse twenty-one. The last question. 
Did God reject his people? And in Romans chapter 11, we can find the answer for this. Today, I would like to discuss with you the first three questions. And these are basically uh, the question of God's election or God's sovereignty and man's faith. It's a bit complicated. But may the Lord help us. We can hear from, from these uh, the answers that we can find here will help us understand more God's sovereignty and God's election. The first, the first question. Has God's word, God's promise failed? The answer is no. Because not all Israelites are true Israelites. Look at verse 9. It is not as though God's word had, had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Here, Paul is showing us a new point of view. Not all Israelites are true Israelites. That's why God's promises are not in vain. Because God's promises will be fulfilled in the lives of those who are truly Israelites who are true Israelites. They are not just people by birth. But they are people of promise. This is a matter of faith. That's why Paul used two historical stories to prove this. One is the story of Isaac and Ishmael. And the other is the, the, the story of uh, Jacob and Esau. He's here, he's here trying to prove that God's promise will be upon those who are truly Israelites. Let's look at uh, the story of Isaac and Ishmael first. Look at chapter 9, verses 7 and 8. Nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. We know that Abraham had two sons. One is from Sarah's um, uh, servant, uh, Hagar. Sarah during that time knew she was barren. That's why she gave up her own maid. Uh, handmade to to uh, Abraham to, uh, to bear his child. So So she represented that uh, she she bore a child for the, for uh, in the place of Sarah. This was the son of his physical birth. This uh, and the son uh, was called Ishmael. Another son son is called Isaac. Isaac 
Isaac was born when Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90 years old. And not, it was then when they were, it was impossible for them to have a child anymore. But they had a child because of God's promise. Because in Genesis 18 verse 10, God gave them a promise. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. Sarah, your wife will have a son. At the end, and truly a year after Abraham had a son named Isaac. And he is truly the son of the promise. So Abraham had two sons. One was the son of his uh, of, of physical birth. That's uh, Ishmael. And another is the son of promise. And his name is Isaac. The, the son that was from the promise has nothing to do with physicality. It has nothing to do with lust. It is by faith. It is by the Spirit. That's why God's promises are not empty. Because in God's eyes, because only the son who came from faith, who came from the promise, that he'll truly receive his promise. This is the first evidence story. But Paul here shared another story. It is a story of Jacob and Esau. Look at chapter 9, verses 10 to 13. Not only that, but Rebekah's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls. She was told the older will serve the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. Yet before the twins had done anything or had done anything hey, good hey, and bad. Oh, sorry. And this verse is verses. Paul here told another story. It's the story of Jacob and Esau. Here he was trying to prove that not all Israelites are true Israelites. But what, where lies the difference? Remember, uh, Ishmael's uh, mom, mom was Hagar. Hagar was an Egyptian. So Isaac's mother was Sarah. So Isaac and Ishmael are from the same father, but they are they don't have the same mother. It's very clear. And it was very clear that uh, Ishmael was half Egyptian, half Israelite. So so for the Israelites, it was not strange that God will not choose, choose Ishmael. Because he was not a pure bred uh, Israelite. Here another two persons were brought up. Here's the, here, here lies Jacob and Esau. And they, were, they both have the same father and the same mother. And in fact, they were twins. So logically speaking, both of them should have received God's promise at the same time. But how did, how did the Bible explain this? 
，四四四十三生的囝仍然未生出来，善恶未作出来，不显明上帝拣选的旨意，无在乎人的行为，乃在乎何条人的主啊。Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works but by Him who calls. 真奇怪。We、find it strange. 两个囝 ，two sons， 善恶未出来。And they have not done anything good or bad yet. 无任何行为。And they have they have not done anything yet. 哎，但系上帝拣选雅各，无必拣选以撒。But yet God had chosen Jacob and not chosen Esau. 这个是咪讲一个上帝所听，一个上帝所无听 ？The Bible clearly stated one was the one that God loved and the other one God hated. 什么原因啊 ？What's the reason? 圣经完全无解释。There was no explanation at all. 其实你来看圣经啊。If you are to look at the Bible， 扎沙哦，七七两个两个老伯，艾沙哦是只家家一手牌。In fact, if you if you look at their story， 啊、uh, ，if you read their story， you find that Jacob was truly、uh, loved。By his father Isaac, Esau was truly loved by his father Isaac more. But he was not chosen by God. So here it's very, very clear. Here we can see God's sovereignty, and it's God's election. It's very difficult for me to explain, and it's very difficult for us to understand. When we choose people, we choose somebody who's good. We don't choose somebody who's bad. You are Kan Chiu. If you marry, you pick Kan Shang. Who would you choose? You find somebody attractive, somebody good, somebody more beautiful. Of course, we will not look for somebody who's unattractive. But what did the, how did the Bible explain this? Even before both、uh, twins were born, nor had they done anything good or bad, yet God has already made His choice. It truly is dependent on God's sovereignty and God's election. It is not dependent on our actions, not our works, but by Him who calls. I'm sure that this is very difficult to understand. We often face this kind of challenges. Sometimes when you think of a problem, how come God did not choose this Mr. A? Mr. A is such a good person. And how come God will not save this person? And this that person has a very good character. He he treats people kindly. How come God will choose Mr. B? Mr. B is such a wicked person. And he would suddenly believe in the Lord. We often find it unfair. Just like the thief that was on the cross beside Jesus, he came to know the Lord at the last minute. In fact, his whole life he had not done anything good. He was all doing all things that were evil. But after he died, he went up to paradise. Because on the last minute, he accepted Christ, and God had chosen him. 
unfair, man. We find it unfair. It's something that's very hard for us to accept or nor comprehend. But I want you to look at it from another point of view. Let's not ask why God would choose Mr. A. Or rather, you ask this question. Why did God choose me? You don't ask Let's not ask a question Why God allowed my friend to have cancer Why does it How is it that my friend My family members have cancer Rather you ask another question Why is it that I, I don't have cancer When you ask the question that way Why did God choose me? Why is it that God had, had, had Allowed me to remain healthy? Let I believe And you would truly believe and, and say to yourself It is truly by God's grace Because we are not better than other people We eat the same thing other people ate How come they got sick and we didn't get sick? It's truly by God's grace People like me How come I am recipient of His grace? Because Because we all deserve to die Because we are sinners In Romans chapter 2 it was very clear There's no one who's righteous There's nobody who's good We are all people who are doomed but then those who are people of grace and these are people who responded to God's grace man's salvation is amazing it's just like we have been moved in our heart and we would suddenly confess that we are sinners and we would humble ourselves to confess and repent this is God's work I often ask myself this question I don't know why I would accept the Lord the day that I accepted the Lord until the day until today I still cannot understand why I did it I just was moved and I responded to the movement of the Spirit and God's calling that's truly called amazing grace this is how Paul answered the first question God's words and God's promises are not empty because God's promises will be fulfilled in the lives of those who are truly Israelites these are people who have been born out of faith out of the promise and by faith they have responded Responded to God's promise. The second question is God unjust? Look at verse 14. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. When Paul shared the story of God's choosing Isaac and Jacob, God wanted uh, uh, Jacob. Jacob and not Esau. 
是讲讲唔是出啲人嘅行为，唔是冇关系。It is not by by the works of man. It has nothing to do with the works of man. 是上帝敬上上帝主管。It's truly God's sovereignty and God's election. 所以所以产生另外一个问题咯。So here comes another question. 啊，你上帝会冇公平喎 ？It's God unjust. 你真系冇公平哦，上上帝两个出讲出嚟。You know the word unfair often comes out of our mouth. 我相信你不讲不讲嘅 unfair， 我是不讲嘅 unfair。I'm sure both you and I have spoken the word unfair. Let's say baby. As parents, we would often hear our children say unfair. Let's say employee. We who are employers, we would hear our employees say that we are unfair. You know why people will say un- the word unfair? This stems from the pride in man's heart. This happens because they feel that they are entitled to something, and when they don't get what they、uh, what they believe they deserve, they feel it is unfair. When God chose、uh, Jacob, and did not choose Esau, so that's why. People said this is unfair. But what did Paul say? No, it's not. Not at all. It's not unfair. How did Paul,、uh, why did why did Paul say this? He said because he was saying, "I will be punished with one sword, and I will be punished with another sword." And you say, "No, no, 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 It does not therefore depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. This is God's problem. A question of God's sovereignty. And I believe that a lot of people will find this answer unacceptable. Because we find、uh, find this to be too authoritarian.、Oh, you will be the final、uh, arbiter of your own decision. This is a democratic society. You have to explain it clearly to us. You have seen the current situation. We often demand、uh, explanation, clear explanations from others. Those who are employees would ask their employers to explain clearly their decisions. Even our own children will demand from us, our parents, to explain clearly. Sometimes when we work together, we would demand from those who are our superiors to explain clearly the things that we are supposed to do. Because, uh, 
in not in all situations do we have to explain clearly. Especially there are things that we cannot explain clearly. Especially for us who are parents. When our children are still quite small. And it's hard for them to comprehend things and understand things. It's hard for us to explain things in details. For example, if you ask a, a child who's about two or three years old to take some medicine, and, and the child would answer, What kind of medicine is this? Why should I take it? And what are the ingredients of this medicine? And what side effects will I have to expect from this? Explain this clearly to me. If not, then I will not take it. If you're the mother, and you say, would you take it or not? If you're not going to take it, I'll spank because you. Because there's no way for you to explain clearly for the child to be to, to understand. Because on this time, the child has to understand that the authority lies on the hands of the parents. Right now, whatever I speak, you obey. When the child is older and they have the power of reasoning, maybe that's the time you start to explain and reason with them. Your parents. When is the time? When the children when your children ask why, that's the time when we learn how to, to respond by explaining. Because they want to understand things. But in God's election, God has the absolute authority. He's not answerable to anyone, nor does he have to explain anything to anyone. It's not that God does not want to explain. No matter how kind, what kind of explanation he'll give us, we will never understand. No matter how, it's just like no matter how a father would explain something to a two-year-old child, the child will never comprehend. He is our God. He's not our servant. He's our master. When a master as a, a, a gives a task to a servant, it doesn't mean that each of the tasks he needs to explain the reason why. When a parent asks a child to do something, we don't have, as parents, we don't have to explain everything. Because you have that authority. Of course, we do not have an absolute authority. But God has. Because everything was made out of God's hand. So God has a full authority and the final authority in determining things in this world. After Paul explained this, he used two people as uh, a part of his explanation. Could be found in uh, first verses 15 to 18. He used Moses and Pharaoh to make a comparison to prove one thing. God will have mercy on whom he will have mercy on. And he would have compassion on, on whoever he wants to have compassion on. The first, Moses represents those who are objects of mercy. Because, uh, of, the, because the people of Israel uh, worship this golden calf, 
Moses went up to Mount Sinai again to pray and plead for the people of Israel. And God responded to the, to the prayers of Moses. He forgave the people of Israel. And God, uh, Moses brought up this request. He said, God, I want to see your face. And God responded Nobody can see my face. But I will allow you to see my back. I'm sure that in, in reality God does not have a front side nor a back side because God is a spirit but he's here to prove one thing you can only uh, take a peek a little bit of, uh, of a view of my glory it's just like you cannot see my face but you can see me from behind but God continued and said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on those whom I will have compassion on. So I will show you my back. What does this mean? It's only through the mercy of the Lord that Moses was allowed to glimpse at God's glory. How about you and I? We don't know why God has this special mercy on Moses. And he was allowed to see the glory of God, which we are not allowed to see. This is called mercy. This is called grace. What about Pharaoh? Pharaoh represents those who are objects of rejection. Look at verse 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. What does this sentence mean? Even though you are very hard-hearted, but I allowed you to live. And my very purpose is for you, for other people to, dis- to see my power, uh, my, my power and my name proclaimed. And through you, the whole world will know who I am. So now you understand one thing. Here we can see that Pharaoh has a very stubborn heart. And here God has allowed uh, a situation for people to see his stubbornness. And, and God has allowed him to continue on being stubborn in his heart. So God's mercy was not upon him. So please remember this. It's not God who has made him stubborn. But he was uh, stubborn by nature. But God allowed a, a situation to happen for it to be exposed. Just like a person who's very proud. You don't know he's proud. But God will place that person in a situation where 
and his pride will be will be evident. Pharaoh 就是安尼。Pharaoh was like that. 当你显出来的时 ，when his stubbornness became evident， 上帝无将无怜悯伊，无将恩典临到伊。God did not have mercy on him, nor had shown grace upon him. 其实伊继续刚毅落去。So he continued on in his pride. 所以这个唔是 stubbornness rather。所以这个唔是公平嘅问题啊。This is not a, a question of、uh, being fair or not. 这是上帝主观嘅问题。This is a this is a matter of God's sovereignty. 这个真重要。This is very important. 耶稣讲不讲一个葡萄园嘅诶诶诶比喻嘅故事。啊 ，Jesus had once shared this a story of this vineyard。主人对偷渣六点到暗播过点，且到四棚人去作息。And from early morning in six in the morning till late in the afternoon, he had employed four groups of people to work for him。但是 before 你去大家讲清楚，特别是接运资嘅工嘅。And they have set their wages every for every group that went in. He has already made clear what the wages will be. How do you get the wages? You would get one denarii for those who will work from、uh, from 6 a.m. starting from 6 a.m. Low may last, low may 这个这个点钟 last hour 的起，还是接文件。And even though those who were employed at the very last hour and work were only one hour, they would still get one denarii. So 这个刷新给嘛，其中。So when the time come came for giving wages, 做一点钟或接文，这这个这个文文字，这个十二点钟还是接了文字。Those who work. Uh, just one hour will have the same wages as those who work the whole day. So, to be tempted, the man said, "Unfair, unfair." Those who work twelve hours started grumbling and said, "It's unfair." And what did the master、uh, say? Didn't I say clear, clearly to you? This is the amount that you'll receive for your one whole day's work. I have, I have not lacked anything. Nor have I been unjust to you. I just have shown more grace on these people. Just remember one thing. Grace is not about justice with justice. There can be no grace. Grace is a sovereign prerogative. So, tell me, get it. Please remember. So that's why when people complain God is unfair, no, no, because because grace is not. About being just or not, and, and grace is truly God's sovereign prerogative. The third question. Because of that, then why does God blame man? God can blame man because man is responsible in the exercise of his own free will. When Paul brought up God's sovereignty, Paul knew people will truly respond in this way. Since God is sovereign, he will have mercy upon those who will he he wants to have mercy upon. And he will allow those who are stubborn to remain. Stubborn. Everything was created by God. Then how come God is blaming man? It's unreasonable. Paul said no. God can continue to blame man. Because we are responsible for the decisions we made out of our own free will. In chapter nine, verses twenty to twenty-one, Paul uses this "yawjiang" to show this "wacky" pattern. And Paul here shows this pattern. 
这个帕特有自己绝对的主管啊 and the clay has no right to make demands from 20, verses 22 to 23 and here he brought up two kinds of vessels the first what if God, although chosen to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the object of his wrath prepared for destruction? In verse 23, what if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory? In these two verses, here he shows us two different kinds of objects or vessels. One is uh, with the subject of his anger prepared for destruction. And one is object of his mercy whom he had prepared advance for his glory. But in reality, prepared for destruction in reality means it's the thing is ready for destruction. Prepared for the glory in, in the original text means it's prepared in advance, prepared since the beginning for glory. Here Paul is saying, Here Paul is trying to remind us and then to show us one thing. Aside from God's sovereignty, we have our own responsibility because we have a free will. And God respects our free will. You have, uh, you had, you have a choice to, uh, to believe in Him or not. And you can choose to oppose Him. But we need to be responsible for the decisions we made out of our own free will. How about Pharaoh? Pharaoh was one of those who are uh, prepared for destruction. How, how is it that he's such a uh, subject of, of such anger? Because time and again, Pharaoh continued sinning. And he was hard-hearted, he was stubborn time and again. And, and he refused to, to confess each time. He would promise one thing and then he would recant from his promise. And from his actions, it's very clear that Pharaoh was prepared for destruction. 
to the Hoimele. So that's why he was truly fit for destruction. How about Moses? He's an object of God's mercy. And he was called the most humble and faithful servant of God. For 40 years in the wilderness. He was a shepherd. He was the leader of the people of, of, of two million Israelites. He was faithful till the end. And from his behavior, we can see that he was truly deserving of God's mercy. In fact, if you, to, if you are to look at Romans chapter 9, and here the, his, it's the most focal point here is God's election and God's sovereignty. In chapter 10, well, the, focal, the focal point there is about man's faithfulness, man's response. So in, in, the, uh, in the whole talk about salvation, we cannot separate God's sovereignty with man's response and faith. How can we combine these two is the great mystery for the theologians? It's a it's something that you will know. So there's no there's that's why there's no much uh, argument about this. It's God's uh, predetermined or God has prearranged this. This is the message that we can find in chapter 10. But today I want you to, to really focus on and think about God's sovereignty and his election of us. We cannot understand this. Come in the multitude of people God had chosen you and me Just like me And I believe that from, from my early days as a child I'm, I was a very selfish person I'm very self-centered I only look after myself And never looked after other people And I often wear a mask as a, on the outside world In front of people I'm this certain person But behind their back I'm another kind of person People like me how am I deserving of God's election? We often, I keep repeating, God will choose what is good and not, will not choose what is bad. But God had chosen a person such as me. That's why salvation came upon me. I still remember what happened the day that I was saved. I attended a, a service. I was just invited there. I was not aware that it was an evangelistic meeting. There was this lady pastor who was preaching. And she preached about John chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world. And he, she explained the whole, whole verse. I could not understand. I was listening. And tears suddenly fell from my eyes. I started weeping. I, right now I don't know what I was crying about but I was so moved so touched by it. a person such as I am God loved me so I raised up my hand I said I want to accept the Lord so I went to the front and I prayed 
from that day on till now 40 years and I have in this 40 years I have never departed this Lord who loved me that's not that I chose him but he was the one who chose me how about you? May the Lord help you. When the Spirit moves you today, respond properly to God's calling. Because truly, we believe that uh, salvation is God's election. But we need to respond. By faith, we respond. Next week, we will explain this clearly, how to respond by faith. But today, I want you to make a decision. If you have never made this decision, today, when God's Spirit moves you, respond properly. Respond to God's election on you. Let's pray. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, because you are God and we are not. You are sovereign, Lord. We know that you have absolute authority over all things. Yet, Lord, you have deemed it upon yourself that to love us, Lord, and to show mercy and compassion on us who are undeserving of your love and mercy, Lord. We who are truly objects of destruction, Lord, yet we became objects of your mercy, objects of your compassion, Lord. We have been predestined, Lord, by you to, to share in your glory, to see your glory, Lord, to accept your glory. Thank you so much, Lord, for, for, for this kind of grace, Lord, that we don't deserve. Lord, I pray for those who are here right now. If your spirit is talking to them, Lord, if your spirit is moving to them, Lord, touch their heart. Allow their hearts to be melting, Lord, so that they can respond in a positive way, in the proper way to your election upon them, amen, Lord. Amen. May your spirit move in all our hearts, Lord, that we will make you known with the, with the way amen. we live our lives, Lord, that we will be reflection of your glory to this world that is so hungry, Lord, for your glory. Amen. May we glorify you. May we honor you with the, uh, with the way we live our lives. And may our lives be lived with thanksgiving for your sovereignty and for your election. This is our prayer with thanksgiving in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you. Next week, let's look at Romans chapter 10. Part 2. Part 2. How we will respond by faith to God's election. See you next week. See you next week. God bless. God bless.